Don't move. You're listening to Harpy Hour. We just want to share another awesome podcast with you first. So check these guys out and stay tuned for this week's episode of Harpy Hour. This is a Ninth World Journal. A careless experiment with a teleportation device has left me stranded in random places throughout the Ninth World. While trying to survive in these strange lands, I must find a way to reverse my condition. A Ninth World Journal is a science fantasy audio drama podcast. Subscribe to listen or visit ninthworldjournal.com. Harpy Hour may contain explicit language, as well as graphic, violence, and sexual content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Harpy Hour, the harpiest of all the hours. Aloha. This is the best hour. It really is. You're welcome. This is going off script. Oh, God. She's going rogue, guys. She's <laughs> going rogue. just talking about like, oh, I need to bring the script up. I'm like, how do you not know this yet? And then she paused and then she went off script. Ugh. Shh. We're unscripted. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> well, we are the harpies. I'm Tracy. I'm Liz. I'm Steph. And this is our podcast where we share ridiculous stories in history, science, and entertainment. dun da da What was that for? Okay, so, I don't know. I just... Do-do-do. It, it felt like pure. It felt like we needed it. I just edited uh, the pants episode. Oh, God. And it made me think of... Moo-moo-moo. Moo-moo-moo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Moo-moo to the max. I want to wear a moo-moo. Oh, I'm wearing not far from a muumu right now. It's like a sleeveless muumu. Ooh, so chic. Is it a dress? It's like a slip for going to bed that I've been wearing all day. Like a nightgown? <laughs> like an old yeah. school, like old lady nightgown? <laughs> that I've been wearing all day. <laughs> Excellent. Sounds like what my mom wears to bed, like her, her old lady nightgowns. Is what we're talking about here, but it's cute. It's like V-neck. Oh, it's got okay. A, it's got a very Liz neckline. <laughs> oh dear! But it's uh, <laughs> it's just like a flowy knee length type. It's an old lady slip. nightgown. It's your negligee for all your Tinder dates. Oh yes. You know, I was ha. looking at jeans online the other day, and they actually call jeans now like a style is mom jeans. Like it's actually called mom jeans. Nope. It's like you can search nope. for mom jeans. Well, yeah, it's like come back. Like pretty soon they won't have skinny jeans. Throw out Gen Z. <laughs> I feel like there was never like an official style called mom jeans that like was sold or advertised. Yeah, they were usually just, just like high waisted. Yeah, yeah, they were usually just high waisted. Because they were the only jeans. But I thought it was just interesting that they were actually <laughs> listed as mom jeans. As like, And this was like on Gap or Express or nope. like somewhere where, you know, people our age shop. I'm like, wow, we're actually nope. looking for mom jeans now. Mom jeans and old lady 90s. That's what we wear. Throw the whole Gen Z out. It's gone bad. Throw it Eric out. Eric says I have granny panties because some of my underwear is just like plain briefs they're like the cheeky style but they're like yeah. clean briefs with like a teeny bit of lace on the top they're like my cheap ones that i just like wear to work or to work out or whatever yeah 
And he calls them my granny panties. Craig says the same thing. I'm like, these are not granny panties. I yeah. like the basic, seamless, like, clean look. Yeah. yeah. I all see nothing wrong with it. Yeah, they're not, like, big. You know, they fit on my, on my waist, on my, on my hips, rather. A little bit of butt yeah. cheek showing. I'm like, my grandma does not wear these underwear. <laughs> you don't know that. Well, my grandma's dead, I so mean, she's not wearing any underwear. But... <laughs> Wah, wah. <laughs> or eternal underwear? She's going commando? Yeah, maybe. Ooh, eternal Her eternal underwear. underwear are not these underwears. They're not cheeky style. Eternal cheekies. <laughs> eternal cheekies. <laughs> Make Granny a panties. For that. Old lady nightgowns. <laughs> Untapped jeans. market. This is our 30s. I mean, <laughs> nope. Oh, God. Anyway. Anyway. Tracy. Yeah. What else are you going to talk about today? It is your episode, right? I. It is my episode. Thank you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I know I'm not going today, so it must be you two. Yes. I will be harping on in which Adler makes you madler. <laughs> Adler? Adler. Is that is he is that a character from CSI? No, not CSI. No. SVU. No. Adler? No, you're thinking of no. Stabler. Oh, yeah. You are. Yep. I was gonna say, we've done SVU. Guys, you're gonna be so proud of me when I reveal what this is. All right. In the next segment. All right. Do, 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 do. <laughs> okay. Today. We are going to talk about birth order. Oh, boy. I win. What do you mean you win? I was born first. <laughs> <laughs> We're not related. <laughs> you, the three of us are not siblings. It doesn't count. <laughs> How do you win birth order? <laughs> of the three of us, I came first. I mean, okay. birth order does not apply to Harvey Howard. <laughs> Only if we were raised by the same parents in the same environment, but whatever. Okay. Anyway, so preface to the audience members, to our listeners. I am the oldest of three with one brother and one sister. Liz is the youngest of three with two older sisters. And Steph is the youngest of two with one sister. And this will be relevant later. Okay. Background. The order in which children in a family are born is referred to as your birth order. Do, 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 do. <laughs> yep, that's the end. That's it. We solved it. This answers the age-old question of why siblings raised in the same environment with the same genetics can have such vastly different personalities. Speak to the Lucas children and you will see how this is demonstrated. <laughs> birth order was first, not discovered because it's been a thing, but first, first like studied. Since the dawn of man, <laughs> yes. there's been birth order. Since the second human was born. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, by Dr. Alfred Adler. Get it? Adler makes you madler. Well, we haven't Crickets. gotten to the mad part yet, have we? Okay. No, not yet. I was just, I was just <laughs> indicating who Dr. Adler was. Good job. Thank you. 
Okay, so he was born in 1870 near present-day Vienna, Austria. He is the third, well, he was the second born of three, and then we'll get to some more, but he's a middle kid, okay? Mm-hmm. Adler experienced several life-threatening I wrote experiences twice. That was silly of me. Adler experienced several life-threatening experiences <laughs> that made him overly fearful of death. Clearly, I did not edit that one properly. Whoops. Uh, okay, so his younger brother died next to him oh. in bed oh. when Adler was three years old. Oh. It's, it's the 1870s. You know, life is bleak. Yeah. He developed rickets, which kept him from walking until he was four years old. Then he finally learns to walk at four and he develops pneumonia and overheard the doctors tell his parents, quote, your boy is lost. Oh, end quote. Yeah. Yeah. It's not looking good for Adler right now. Yeah. Alfred Adler. Also, he has an alliterative name and that's, you know, a red flag. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What does that indicate? My name is alliterative. It, yeah. <laughs> My <turn. laughs> and we all see how that went, so. <laughs> I mean, I don't see why I need to explain any further. Liz on is also this. lost. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So is my husband. So is my maid of honor. It's fine. Put her down. Anyway. Put him down. Just just let him down. Let him down. How did I make it this far? Okay, so Adler always felt that his mother favored his older brother, Sigmund. And this will make sense further down the line Freud? when I explain. No, not Sigmund Freud. Sigmund Adler. Hobby. Consequently... Adler developed a severe inferiority complex that persisted into adulthood. This complex may have been what spurred his will to overachieve and become a physician. Adler started his career as an ophthalmologist, but then took a hard turn and switched to general practice. He established an office in the less affluent portion of Vienna, where his main clientele were literal circus performers. Nice. That seems fun. Yeah. He's serving the underserved. Mm-hmm. It is said that treating these, quote, freaks, their word, not mine, may have made Adler more seriously consider the, top, the concepts of inferiorities and compensation. Again, we will get to it. Just remember that. Adler is credited with starting the psychoanalytic movement with the evolution of the Wednesday Society in the early 1900s. So he's like in his 30s now. And not lost? No, he was not lost. Spoiler, <laughs> survived. <laughs> so this group met weekly to discuss each member's academic ideas and papers over coffee and cakes. Mm. So it was basically book club, but they were writing the books. Uh, <laughs> it's a different kind of book club. It is. It is. Members included Otto Rank, Max Eidington, Wilhelm Steichel, Carl Abraham, Hans Sachs, Fritz Whittles, Max Graft, Sandor Ferracesi, and founder, Dr. Sigmund Freud. Oh, hey, I was getting at something. I mean, the wrong Sigmund, <laughs> but yes, the wrong I just, one. I just it's knew fine. he was involved somehow. Of okay, course. you had a feeling. I got it. I, I and got at it. first, as you were listing all those names, I was thinking none of these mean anything to me. Yeah, I was like, am I supposed <laughs> to know any of these? Like, well, I figured I couldn't say Sigmund Freud without like giving some, you know, credit to the other ones. So I up. just ran through yeah. them. Okay, yeah. 
So Freud and Adler eventually grew to like super dislike each other. And Adler accused Freud of stealing some of his ideas about the relationship between personality development and early sexual awakenings. So uh, that was, you know, problematic. But they were each other's contemporaries for a while, and they were part of this Wednesday society. Adler's career blossomed once he like publicly broke things off with Freud and began to distinguish himself. He became the president of the Vienna Psychoanalytic Society in 1910. He founded the Society for Individual Psychology in 1912. After serving in the Austro-Hungarian army in World War I, he established several child guidance clinics throughout the 1920s. And if you've never heard of child guidance clinics like me, they were the first child-centered institutional response to meet the perceived child and youth behavioral and development disorders. It's basically focusing on what we would refer to today as at-risk youth. Yeah, I was going to say troubled kids. Yeah, like emotional, behavioral, educational difficulties. So they called them child guidance clinics. For kids who were lost like him. Yes. The lost boys, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> oh, have you guys ever heard the allegory about how the lost boys and Peter Pan are all dead? I think so. Okay, I'll... I'll go over it with you later. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking of an entirely different Lost Boys. Oh. What were you thinking of? I don't know what you're thinking of. The movie with uh, like Corey Feldman and the other Corey and Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. No, I no, no one knows what you're, you're talking, talking about. about. <laughs> People do. My family that are listening to this know uh-huh. for sure. Mm-hmm. Are these the same family members that gave you an alliterative name? Listen. the lost boys is a 1987 teen black comedy horror film okay anyway then he became visiting professor at columbia university in 1927 so let's talk about adler's main contributions he was one of the first psychotherapists to discard the analytic couch in favor of two chairs (laughs) i know thank you he thought that it put the clinician and the patient on equal footing, which it does. Thank you. Thank you, sir. He advocated for preventative mental health or anticipating a mental health problem, tendency, or disorder before it becomes like an actual issue. So he encouraged and promoted social interest, feelings of belonging, eradicating neglect and pampering, and strongly rejected corporal punishment, which was like kind of a big deal in, you know, the 1930s. Mm. He often presented his theories in optimistic language that lay people could understand. So he made psychology accessible to like more of the masses. Okay. He also introduced the concept of compensation, which I mentioned earlier. So back to his circus patients, Adler asserted that when a part of one's body is weak or inferior, other portions of the body work together to compensate for that body parts failing. So, you know, like, if you're blind, your hearing gets better. Right. You know, that theory. In this theory, the weak part of the body can actually develop into a strength over time. So as Adler's theory like progressed and got more popular, the idea of organ inferiority in the physical body transformed to feelings of inferiority in the mind. So Wikipedia explained it well, so I'm quoting from them. Quote, parts of the individual's unconscious self ideally work to convert feelings of inferiority to superiority, otherwise known as completeness. So, 
that was how he like translated that body of work. Recently, I had taken care of a patient who was blind and deaf. And the patient's spouse would sign into their hand. And just watching them do that, I'm like, how are you making any sense of these like I, I, hand movements? That's astounding and then the pers- to me. That is astounding. And then could verbally respond appropriately to like the questions. And I was just, I was yeah. floored to like watch it. Like I knew that that's what like Helen Keller did and stuff, but like right. just to watch it and just to see like she, the, the spouse would just sign so quickly and like yeah. it, to me it didn't look like anything you know like how are you no. distinguishing words from this very rapid hand thing i guess yeah. sense of touch must be that much more sensitive after losing both sight and sound i mean yeah yeah and if that's the only thing that you if that's have your language focus on yeah like, yeah i mean they don't have any distractions i know it's so know? astounding like, not looking at to anything see it ha- to see it happen live i was like oh my god this is amazing yeah, that's Bananas. pretty freaking. That's insane. Yeah. Sorry, go on. Okay. And then he gave us birth order psychology. So let's talk about that for a second. Alfred postulated that one's ordinal birth order is deeply connected to one's psychological birth order. So your ordinal birth order is your actual placement in the family. So like firstborn, secondborn, youngest, etc. Heir spare. Yes, correct. Oh, you guys are the spares. That must be. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'm like, what's after the spare? (laughs) You're the backup to the backup. Yeah, you are. (laughs) And then your psychological birth order is the behavioral patterns that are associated with that family placement. So like an example is one may behave more like a firstborn, but is actually the secondborn child. So we will get to it. Just this is a lot of background. I know. Doesn't that just mean that there's no true personality for a firstborn versus a secondborn? Mm, no. No. Because they have tendencies and then there are always people who like are outliers to that. Okay. So, okay. An important note. I really enjoyed how Wikipedia wrote this, so I'm going to just read it. Adler never produced any scientific support for his interpretations on birth order roles, nor did he feel he need the need to. (laughs) This is all just speculation and theory. He just wrote a Wikipedia page about it. (laughs) Honestly, like that's kind of what happened. Like this is my own experience and therefore it must be everyone's. Exactly. That's what I was saying a second ago. I'm like, maybe there is no actual correlation Mm. between your birth order and your personality. You just said there's we'll no science. <laughs> I said that he didn't, that Adler himself did not produce any scientific support for his interpretation. Ah, okay. This is continuing on from Wikipedia because, again, I thought it was worded very well. Not all of my segment is from Wikipedia. But anyway, Adler showed through his birth order theory that children do not grow up in the same shared environment but the oldest child grows up in a family where they have younger siblings the middle child with older and younger siblings and the youngest with older siblings the position is a f- in the family constellation it's what matters so no you're not growing up in the same environment yeah. basically it was his my older sisters and i like my older sister doesn't know what it's like to have an older sister correct i don't know what it's like to have older siblings and there's twins like, too we will get to it. Other birth order scholars. There was Francis Galton in 1847. He wrote, 
English Men of Science: Their Nature and Nurture. So in this book, he interviewed 180 prominent scientists of the era, and he found anecdotally, like he wasn't looking to find this, but he found anecdotally that firstborns were vastly overrepresented in his findings. And he postulated that some explanations for this would be in that time the eldest sons had a greater chance of having their education paid for by their parents. Parents gave their eldest sons more attention as well as responsibility, and in families of limited financial resources, parents might care just a little bit better for their firstborns. And that was from a Time article by Lynn Berger that was published in April of this year, April 2021. This is from the same article. In other recent studies conducted mostly by economists, it was found that there was an association between birth order and IQ. On average, firstborns score slightly higher on IQ tests. They also tend to get more schooling. This may be due, researchers speculate, to the fact that parents are able to devote more undivided time and attention to their firstborn when they are very small. It's an effect that has less to do with innate characteristics and more with parental treatment. So that's another like nature versus nurture argument for why. We see these same characteristics show up in firstborn, secondborn, etc. Okay, now we're getting to the birth order profiles, which I feel like you guys will have some thoughts on. <laughs> so let's start with the firstborn, and we're going to talk about. I pulled from several different sources, so don't yell at me about this. I will cite my sources. I will yell、okay. at you when I goddamn feel like it. All right. So Adler, let's start with him. Adler believed that the firstborn child would be in a favorable position, enjoying the full attention of the eager new parents until the arrival of the second child. This second child would cause the firstborn to suffer feelings of dethronement, no longer being the center of attention. Which is totally true in my family. We have a video、uh, for listeners. My brother is two years younger than me, so my second birthday. I'm sitting at the table. We're throwing a birthday party. My mom is like ready to pop because our birthdays are like right near each other. And someone's recording. It wasn't even my dad, but someone's recording. And they ask me, "So Tracy, do you want a little brother or a little sister?" And my mom is sitting next to me. And I look over at her pregnant belly, and I look back at the camera, and I go, "No, baby." <laughs> <laughs> and it was awkward for everyone involved. So. I know. I've heard stories of my sister, like once I was around, get you know, being jealous or whatever that、mm-hmm. I was getting the attention. So I think that is like a common thing when you're just like a few years、yeah. old. Yeah, we have another story about when my sister was born. So I'm six, and my brother is four. My mom is, you know, filming me anchoring the news, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And I have all these like little stories that I'm re- I'm like talking about the gossip in first grade and like shit like that. <laughs> and I have like a Dear Abby section, and the listener who writes in, <laughs> or the viewer who writes in rather, says, "My parents just had a new baby, and now I don't have any attention. What should I do?" <laughs> and 
like this is while my mom is actively like sitting behind a camcorder <laughs> with like two little kids like recording me and I'm like well you know you could do things like put your folder in your book bag without being asked like that will get you some attention <laughs> and I'm like adv- I'm like advising the older siblings just be a good child yeah <laughs> yeah just like not being a shithead I was gonna yeah. say I thought you were gonna say the opposite so, like, my no. sister kind of tried to kill me when I was... <laughs> she, you just, like, slow-rolled that She one. was like, no baby. She, yeah, no baby. No baby. She would routinely... Um, so, like, you know how a, a car seat buckles into, like, the, the buckles in the back seat? Uh-huh. She would routinely yeah. unbuckle it <laughs> so that my, <laughs> my car seat would, like, tip over and stuff. <laughs> And like, <laughs> and you were like this gigantic baby, so like, yeah, I was a huge baby. So she did it like re- regularly, and my mom was like, "Why does this thing keep getting unbuckled?" Like she didn't realize my sister was doing it. It wasn't until like she goes out buys a new car. Yeah, it was like years later, and my mom was like, somehow that story came out about how my you know I kept my car seat kept tipping over, and she was like, oh. uh funny story that was me (laughs) oh god (laughs) okay well i didn't try to kill my siblings i just the other way put my folder away you didn't try to outshine them or off them (laughs) yeah i just i just put my folder in my book bag jesus like (laughs) you and christine took very different routes to solve the same problem we had different approaches we had different approaches yes yes uh okay <laughs> oh god guys i okay. made it it's fine so <laughs> that's outrageous with only one good eye to show. <laughs> uh, that was not her fault though that was that was birth that was nature not nurture <laughs> we don't know that so adler also believed that in a three-child family the oldest I'm just going to read this straight up because this is also worded hilariously. So the oldest child would be most likely to suffer from neuroticism and substance addiction, which he reasoned was compensation for the feelings of excessive responsibility or the weight of the world on one's shoulders, i.e. having to look after the younger ones and the melancholic loss of that once supremely pampered position. As a result, he predicted that this child was the most likely to end up in jail or an asylum. That's you, Tracy. <laughs> Neurotic, I, I am on deep. drugs, and locked up. Yep. Fair. I mean, I'm not disputing it. I'm just, you know, <laughs> just reporting giving the, you the information. Just reporting the As news. As you've been doing since you were four. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I, mean, I need to show you guys that home video. It is out fucking rages like i'm reading from like a child's cookbook like i have a cooking section <laughs> like <laughs> tracy with a cooking section boil the water add the macaroni i mean i i'm not demonstrating it i'm just reading it from the cookbook this was just something you decided to take upon yourself just like for funsies yeah oh, okay yeah and i told my mom just like roll the tape roll the tape let's go we're doing it. I mean, live. I would make little videos when I was younger too, but like with friends, not just nope. like by myself. No, I was a solo act. I didn't need anybody oh, else. Right. 
<laughs> okay. I was I was running solo, man. She was starving for attention. Obviously, were you not <laughs> listening? <laughs> That's the other thing you can do. Put your folder in your backpack and make a video. <laughs> I was abandoned <laughs> for the shiny new baby. <laughs> oh god there's also another video where uh i'm teaching tommy my brother how to uh sing peter cottontail but he keeps doing it wrong and so i keep yelling at him (laughs) (laughs) i'm like screaming at him that he's doing it wrong oh my god that seems right (sighs) yeah you can't sing with me (laughs) you can't sing with us then there's Carl Koenig, the Viennese pediatrician of the 1930s to the 1960s and founder of the Camp Hill movement in psychology. He said that as children, firstborns are more likely to be serious and sensitive, conscientious, good, and, quote, fond of books, unquote. So this is very different. Yeah. Later in life... They can go one of two ways. They're either shy and fearful or self-reliant and independent. I feel like those are two very different paths. Yeah. I also went to WebMD and looked up birth order. Mm-hmm. WebMD says that firstborns are prone to leadership skills. They benefit from the extra parental attention and the parents being extra careful with like their child rearing techniques. So like, you go to the doctor every time you have a sniffle mm-hmm. as a firstborn. Parents also tend to be stricter with older children with the expectation that they will then set an example for the younger children. And they are more likely to have a low birth weight, though that is not explained in the article as to why. I don't know. That's accurate for so, us. My sister was tiny and I was thick. I was... <laughs> I was by far the smallest. Well, you were so. pretty. Yeah, I was very small. <laughs> you were smaller than your teddy bears. Yeah, I was so little. Just a blah Oh, God, for this one, we should totally submit our baby pictures. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I think I have a couple because I asked my mom oh, for God. Uh, pictures recently for a baby shower at work. Although, do you guys have baby pictures? Because you're like the youngest. Yeah. And we still took pictures. Like, do, we, do we have baby yes. pictures? I, well, my <laughs> sister complains about how we have no photos well, of she's, her because. Well, I don't know. I was going to say she's a third, but so is Liz. But So is Liz. Yeah. Well, I so I haven't pictures. brought this up yet, but I. Oh, I know what you're going to bring up and we're going to get to it. Yeah, I'm interested in how, like, the age gaps yep. in the birth order play a role because me being a younger sister to my siblings is a lot different than like Tracy's yes. youngest um, because my sisters are nine and 10 years older than I am. Right. We so, will address it. Yeah. Like my sisters were, were like 10 when there was a new baby in the family. Right. So it was like, that's very different, a, a different circumstance. Yeah. Let's talk about the second born. That's me. So this is Steph. Yep. Steph. Carl Koenig's analysis was that they can either be placid, easygoing, friendly, and cheerful, or they can be stubborn, rebellious, independent, and, quote, able to take a lot of punishment, unquote. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. I I feel like I'm more of category A. Are you... I feel like I'm fairly easygoing. Like my sister would always be the one getting like in arguments with my parents and stuff. And I just kind of was like, whatever. 
Yeah, Just because go with the she, she's she taking one to. for the team. Because she had to, because she was the oldest. Well, I'm just saying, I was like, I'm more of a go with the flow kind of person. WebMD said that secondborns tend to have extreme competition with the firstborn, and that younger siblings tend to have more preventable injuries and mental health struggles than older siblings. Huh. Because the older siblings are constantly going to the doctor when they have a sniffle. And so the younger siblings are. They're like, oh, well, we've learned that this is not a big deal. Yeah. Middle of three or more. So like classic middle child. Adler said, quote, consequently, the middle child who would experience neither dethronement nor overindulgence was most likely to develop into a successful individual, yet also most likely to be a rebel and feel squeezed out. Grain of salt answer, Adler was the third child of six. Mm. So, like... <laughs> He's projecting a bit. A little bit. He may have said, the middle children are most likely to be successful. Are they, Alfred? <laughs> are they? Simultaneously successful, but squeezed out? Yes. Mm-hmm. WebMD says that a classic middle child will feel a need to carve out their own place in the family since they're neither the oldest nor the youngest. They have more peacekeeping tendencies, tend to enjoy negotiation and compromise, and they can easily relate to people of different ages because, you know, they're constantly negotiating that. Mm. Let's get to the youngest. This is Liz. So Adler said that youngest children tend to be overindulged, leading to poor social empathy. This is also Craig. (laughs) WebMD says that the youngest can become avoidant if they lack in confidence or a drive to succeed, that parents tend to be more relaxed and hands-off with the youngest, and that they have more freedom to pursue creativity and rebellion than the older siblings. Does that sound right, Elizabeth? No, I think that, like, it's it's really hard to to fit into that mold considering the age differences. You're right. Between me and my sisters. We'll come back to you. Um, like things like, I don't know, uh, like w- once I turned 10, granted as adults, my sisters had like periodically lived at home, like when they were home from college and things like that. But for the most part, like when I was 10 years old, I was the only one in the household with my mom. Right. Right. Um, and so like that whole dynamic of having older siblings yeah. was really different. So we'll get to this a little more in depth. And I think like the same kind of applies for my middle sister, um, because for nine years of her life, she wasn't a middle child. She was right. just the youngest herself. Um, right. So she didn't become a middle child until she was nine. Right. And so was she going to just start developing middle right. child uh, behaviors at that point? It's just, it's, I think it's just really different. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think you and uh, Craig, who has a 15-year age difference between him mm-hmm. and his brother, you guys tend to fall more into the only child section, which WebMD describes as tending to act like small adults because that's who they grew up around. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> can become dependent on parents, particularly if the parents are overprotective. I don't think that one necessarily applies to you guys. Yeah, but I don't think mm-hmm. so. The first part, yes. The, the first one, part, yes. No. Stubbornness can be born out of never having to share anything. That's Craig. Mm-hmm. 
I, I can see a little bit of that. Yeah, I see it. Intelligent and creative from an abundance of resources. <laughs> so once, so on the note about like never having to share anything, like that's definitely a factor. Like, yeah, I was never fighting over toys with right. my siblings or anything like that. Um, and similarly for clothes, like growing up. So I just got all their hand-me-downs, but like we didn't really have the whole like, she stole my sweater or whatever. That still um, until with me and my sister. I was older. I was 18, I guess. My sister and her husband were living at home at the time, saving up for their first house. And I had set aside a shirt that I wanted to wear for the 4th of July. It was the only red shirt I owned. And so uh-huh. that's what I was going to wear. Mm-hmm. But I had to work that day. So I left home in my uniform. And when I came home to change out of my uniform and get into my 4th of July outfit, my red shirt was not in my closet. Oh, my God. Yep. And I tore my closet apart. Like, this has never happened before, that, like, one of my clothing items just I do not feel bad for you. Like, this (laughs) happened to me, me, and I'm sure Steph, on the regular. Go ahead. (laughs) Oh, no, this was, like, the first time it ever happened. And then this, like, little light bulb went off in my head, and I went downstairs to my mom, because she worked from home, And I was like, did you see my sister when she left? What was she wearing? And she's like, oh, I think she was just wearing like a red shirt. And I was like, (laughs) and I don't think I've ever been so upset at her in my entire (laughs) life. And I like, I think I sent her like a really angry text message. And then out of like sympathy, like the next day or a couple of days later, she apologized. She's like, I didn't realize um, I thought, you know, you would have other things to wear. And uh, a couple of days later, she went to some cheaps were like Forever 21. And, but so anyway, she bought me like three red shirts. <laughs> <laughs> so that I would always have other Well, shirts. I don't need them now. I know. I was like, I only needed it for the 4th of July. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that still happens when I come home for like Christmas or like sometime in the summer. My sister absolutely borrows my clothes. <laughs> like, I live in, I live across the country, and we're still doing this. <laughs> like, I feel like Christine and I don't okay. really share clothes. I feel like maybe in high school, like when she was in high school and I was in middle school, like a little bit because we had similar mm-hmm. styles. But I feel like that was never a huge issue for us. We don't have the same style. She'll like borrow it and then complain about it. <laughs> I'm like, then don't use it. You don't know the last time I either of us borrowed the other's clothes. Let's talk about some variations on this. So those were like the broad strokes, but some variations, some variables. Uh, and I pulled most of this from a list called the Adlerian Overview of Birth Order Characteristics, which was from the Alfred, Alfred Adler Institute of Northwestern Washington. So he has a whole school, you guys. Hmm. So gender plays a role in this. If the children are all one gender, so like in both of your families where it's all girls, the children may dress as opposite gender to differentiate themselves. So like tomboy or like effeminate. Mm -hmm. Or they lean hard into the assigned genders presentation. So like super girly, super macho, etc. I would say that is inaccurate for us. I'm just saying it may. If you're the only boy among girls, so like my brother, I don't think this applies to him, but whatever. You can either become effeminate to fit into that 
family structure or may try to, quote, prove their manliness by becoming like overly macho. The only girl among boys, it's kind of the same thing. They, can, they either tend to be overly feminine to stand out, differentiate themselves, or they can become really tomboyish to fit in. Another point that was made is that they tend to seek their father's approval more than most daughters would if they're the only girl among boys. Twins or multiples. Multiples tend to monopolize parental attention regardless of where they fall in the family. So they kind of have their own little micro relationships, like micro group dynamics among themselves. They could exhibit identity problems, especially if they are identical. They have their own relationship with their twin separate from other siblings. So that's like a whole separate thing. There's usually one dominant twin who tends to be the leader and more akin to like the oldest child. Adopted children. They can tend to be spoiled and demanding if their parents are like overly indulging them because they're just so thankful that they're there. Or does it depend on like whether or not they know they're adopted? Yes. Is it the knowledge of being adopted that like impacts? It's the knowledge of being adopted that informs this because otherwise you just think you're you know i mean you are part of the family if you're adopted but otherwise you think you're just genetically related to everyone and you know so the spoiled and demanding thing tends to come if the parents are doting on them or trying to overcompensate for the loss of their biological parents there also may either be resentment or idolization of the biological parents which can lead to additional conflicts among family members then there are rainbow babies which are babies born after the uh infant loss or child loss oh i never heard that term before yeah Yeah, rainbow babies after a rainbow i think i've heard the term but i didn't realize what it applied to yeah like what the context was so like after a miscarriage after you lose a baby etc this is like and it, it's particularly about infants, though. It's not like if I died, Tommy would be a rainbow baby. Like, that's not right, a thing. Right. It's, it's very early on, like, you're established. Mm-hmm. Usually before the, the, chi- the first child dies before the, the next one is rainbow born. baby. Right. right. Okay. So they never know each other. Rainbow babies report feelings of having to live up to a quote ghost sibling Mm. which could cause a parent to be overprotective of the next child like just overly concerned about their well-being maybe hypochondriatic about you know their illnesses their health etc rainbow babies have a tendency to exploit their parents over concern or they can exploit their parents over concern they can lean into it or they might rebel and protest the feeling of being compared to like this idealized memory of this child of this older sibling. That's sad. Yeah. And lastly, large age gaps. So most birth order scholars agree that the cutoff is when the age gap is larger than three to five years. And that's when you get subgroups and different dynamics that develop within a family. So like, Like we were talking about earlier, you know, your middle sister, Liz, grew up as the youngest child when their personality was being formed. So, like, 
it's totally different. And I think that Craig, who, again, 15 years between him and his brother, Craig absolutely has more like oldest child or only child tendencies, according to this list. Hmm. So makes sense. How many years are between you and Christine's stuff? Uh, it's like three, three and a half, something like that. So you're right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So by this standard, Tommy and I are in the same group, but Haley and I are not because we're six years, hmm. six or seven, wow. like six and a half. But, but, but Tommy is in the middle, is in the same. Yeah, Tommy is in the same group with me. And so he's Haley. bridging that gap between yes. you mm-hmm. and Haley. Right. Cause there's less than three years on either end of him, right? So, or about three Correct. years on either end of him. So that kind of... She's the youngest by three years, not really. She's the youngest by you, four. But She's the youngest by oh, four. four. Mm-hmm. Okay, four years. Yeah, so Tommy is like the, the center portion of that Venn diagram, but Haley and I are separate, which is why Haley and I have like a different relationship, like a much different relationship. Because mm-hmm. it was always me and Tommy, and then, you know, Haley showed up one day. Right. So, <laughs> no baby, <laughs> no baby. I'd just gotten used to Tommy. Like, I was not excited about this. <laughs> My sisters were, they weren't quite Irish twins, but they were, yeah, they're like really close. Yeah. Yeah. They're like a year and one week. Oh, it's pretty close. But so they always had. My mom essentially dressed them like twins, according to their anecdotes and pictures. I was not there, obviously. Yeah. But so she basically just treated them like twins, like the same clothes and different colors. Mm -hmm. So my oldest sister always got to wear blue for her blue eyes. And my other sister just got to wear any other color that wasn't blue. Literally (laughs) anything else. (laughs) Uh, But they had like shared birthdays because... The birthday oh, party no. would always just be like in the weekend that split their. Birthdays. Oh yeah, it makes sense because their their birthdays were always a week apart. So as as far as I know, they like historically had like shared birthdays. Also, Tommy and I had shared birthdays until I went to school, but we also had the complication of Christmas in between us, Christmas and New Year's, in just like that week. Isn't your dad's birthday right in there too he is yeah but he was he wouldn't have been having you know an evan skateland party no no of course not but i'm just saying like it's just a lot of (laughs) gift giving occasions crammed into like two weeks her dad throwing a tantrum (laughs) because he's not getting enough attention i want my own birthday party I mean, partially his fault that you and tommy were born when you were yeah i mean you made your bed mark lucas (laughs) <laughs> Me, they couldn't have predicted. Tommy was right on time. So, like, you guys really should have learned your lesson yeah. there. So, as I wrapped up this segment, I took the liberty of finding our soulmates burst based on birth order. Interesting. <laughs> okay. Are these going to be, like, specific names, like celebrities, no. or just something very broad, like a barista at a coffee no. shop? This sounds very much like... <laughs> horoscope shit at this point oh it definitely is you're a libra so you match well with a pisces or some shit yeah yeah basically okay cool okay so me first because i'm the firstborn (laughs) so my best match is a last born which craig is so that's fine my worst match is another firstborn Mm. 
too many dominant personalities. Yeah, that's kind of the thing. Okay, so here's the quote. I have the it's this is from a Business Insider article. I have the link if anyone wants to double check me. But here's here's the description. According to a study by Walter Toman, a professor of clinical psychology at the University of Erlangen-Nuremberg in uh, Germany on 3,000 families, you have pretty good odds of a successful marriage if you're a firstborn who marries a lastborn. Lehman says that is because there's an opposites attract thing going on. Mm. The firstborn is more type A and teaches the lastborn little things about organization. Whereas the lastborn helps keep the atmosphere light and reminds the firstborn not to take everything so seriously. I'm just picturing you teaching Craig about organization, and I feel like well, not very well, apparently. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm imagining Craig's piles of laundry. Yeah. It, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it right now. Out of his pockets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yes, yes. And that's how his keys get washed. I mean, if he t- if he took the time to take it out of his pocket, we wouldn't have this problem. That's not the point. According to the study, <laughs> the best possible match is a firstborn female with a lastborn male because their needs are in harmony with each other. You have the best possible oh, match. I do. Perfect. I do. All right. So for Liz and Steph, you are the lastborn. Your best match is with a firstborn. And your worst match is with another lastborn. Well, I'm doomed. Well, I'm not currently with anybody, but yeah, Steph, I was going to ask what your yeah, situation what's Eric's was. We are both thing. secondborns. Eric and I oh. are a month and a half apart or so, and then his brother and my sister are only a couple months apart. So it's like very similar timelines. Uh, all right. Well, here's why your relationship won't work out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> According to Layman, based on science, <laughs> lastborns have a built-in tendency to pass the buck. So if both partners are hellbent on blaming each other for everything, <laughs> that's not going to end up well. <laughs> to help ensure this doesn't happen, Layman suggests being very wary of selective listening and to make sure you're not manipulating each other. I have not read this, so I'm reading this, this cold, cold okay. with you. Yeah. <laughs> You should also hold each other accountable for things and avoid being defensive. Most importantly, keep your sense of humor and try to stay laid back, which are lastborn's natural qualities anyway. Okay. There you go. You'll be fine. You'll you'll get there. I think it. we're okay. You'll <laughs> just stay relaxed. I mean chill. you're in Hawaii. <laughs> I'm not worried about it. I mean, if you break up, I'm pointing to this point in time. I think also where I I predicted it. I think like our astrological signs are not well compatible. (laughs) And I think that, you know, some of those stupid personality tests like the. um, Yeah. What is the one where you're like, we were talking about Myers-Briggs, not Myers-Briggs. We're talking about one recently where you're like the the, disc or the the Enneagram. um, Enneagram. Yeah. I think our Enneagrams were not super compatible either. So like all of these things are telling us we're not compatible, but we're doing fine. (laughs) All right. Well, for now, don't worry, middle children. I did not forget you. I know that's a worry. So middle children, their best match is with a last born. And their worst match is with another middle child. As the rule goes, Lehman says, middle children do not communicate well. And this is twice as bad in a middle child partnership. They don't tend to confront each other about things because they feel it isn't worth the hassle and instead bottle up their emotions. 
my emotions are always worth the hassle. <laughs> Middle children. Because <laughs> you're first. Yes, exactly. First is the best. First is the worst. Middle children supposedly have the best track record for building a lasting marriage because they grow up learning how to compromise and negotiate with their siblings. Mm. However, this can be confusing to their partners because middle children often hide their emotions instead of talking about what they really feel. Middle child last born couples are a pretty good match. Layman says that a compromising middle child tends to make a good partner for last borns who are usually socially outgoing. They also have good communication because middle children are not threatened by last borns, so their communication problems aren't so much of an issue. Anyway, so that's my segment. Birth order. It's fascinating. I feel like it's it's very broad strokes, but ultimately circumstantial. It's also like, like yeah. Kind of like horoscopes where it's vague enough that you that can you make can it work. Be like, that you can, it can be whatever you want yeah, it to be. Exactly. I was exactly. just thinking that when you were like, oh, they match well with, you know, because of XYZ. I'm like, and then I was thinking yeah. of like the Enneagram and all that shit. I'm like, it's all yeah. like you can you can read any of these things and be like, oh, I can make that fit to me or like interpret yes. it as you wish. Right. Like, oh, like I'm a Libra. I can make that. Yeah. Like that sounds like me or like. If I were something else or whatever, right. I'd be like, oh, that sounds like me too. You can always make it fit. So can't put me in a box. Yeah, exactly. What a last born thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use that for everything now. Like, oh, you're such a stupid last born. Ugh. There was no um, separate subcategory about when you have like 20 children or something ridiculous. No. When you're the 23rd. Yeah. The 20th child that needs to be wet off. Or like my grandmother was the youngest of 11. So I feel like that probably had some different dynamics. I said the middle of three or more. I know, but I feel like when you get to a certain size, like the Duggars probably have a very different dynamic than like, you know, a family of four. Sure. Yeah. Like I said, just circumstantial, like things like your class. You know, the difference between mm-hmm. being wealthy and being able to provide and support for multiples right. versus, like, being in poverty and, like, they're all fucked and neglected. Like, yeah, there, I mean, there's, there's a lot of variables. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, it's, it's just really interesting. And that's it. Firstborns forever. Boo. First is the worst. Second is the best. Third is the one with the hairy chest. With the treasure chest. A hairy chest. Treasure. Oh, I heard golden dress. I'll oh. take either of those. All <laughs> not a hairy chest. Treasure chest or golden dress. Hairy I chest. I will accept. It's not up to you, Liz. Classic middle child. Classic so middle child. <laughs> Can't let me have anything nice. If you want to hear more of our analysis on how scientifically factual birth order is, you can listen to Harpy Hour on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Wherever you listen, please rate us and leave us a golden dress review. (laughs) If you have anything you'd like to share about how birth order has affected your life, do you agree? Do you disagree? You can connect with us on social media at Harpy Hour Pod. That's on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can also email us at harpyhourpodcast at gmail.com.
Are you a third child with a treasure chest or golden chest? Golden, golden dress. dress. Well, oh they have God. a go- golden chest, you said, so that probably is full no, of golden extra money. Dress. Dress. <laughs> You're all I've said it up. like four times. Golden dress. But Liz said golden chest. She said treasure chest. Whatever. If you're a middle or youngest child with a treasure chest, treasure. you are an older you donate money to us to help youngest. keep us on the air. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm speaking. I'm speaking. Thanks for listening. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> okay, bye. No baby. No baby. No baby.